Hello, privacy-minded individuals. Some of my favorite people. I have been spending a lot of time on Twitter lately. So, spending a lot of time around privacy. How's it going, everyone? Simon from the Closed Network podcast, Privacy Podcast. Today is November 30th, 2021. This is episode six. I actually normally have a episode name already thought out ahead of time, and I've been thinking about this particular episode for the last week and a half, to actually the last couple of weeks, knowing that I wanted to go down this path. So I, I, it's untitled at the moment. So when you see it, when it pops up in your feed, obviously, I've come up with a, with a title. I'm accompanied today once again by my brother, Michael. What's happening? How's it going, my man? It's going well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on this episode. Uh, for those that don't know, I had my brother on, I think, episode two or three. We were talking about his experience and his journey, his privacy journey, moving from iPhone to, at the time, Graphene OS, and since on to Calyx OS on a Google Pixel 4. You've been on a 3, you've used 3A, you're on a 4 now. And uh, I wanted to check in with you, because there's a couple things I wanted to talk about in this episode that was um, kind of more general like relaxed laid back conversation around doing the things that we do and why and why privacy matters to us as individuals because i think a lot of people are coming around to the idea that they don't have to be a privacy freak to care about privacy and wherever you are the reasons why you're looking into it uh you you might be in for a number of different reasons you may be in, interested in it because of your kids. You may be interested in it because of yourself, uh, that kind of thing. So, thanks for joining me on this. Thanks um, for having me. It's been a it's been a while. And uh, how's it going so far? Pretty good. I'm digging this Calyx uh, OS. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I switched to Calyx when I switched hardware too. So, I feel like. It's hard to say whether the improved performance was because of the OS or because of the hardware, um, but I'm noticing a big difference between my 3A on Graphene and the Calyx on the 4XL. Right. That'll be largely due to the phone. Mm-hmm. The processor and the RAM has an upgraded Snapdragon processor and more memory, mm-hmm. so it will handle uh, more tabs and, and multi multitasking uh, a lot more efficiently. But... I I will say that I don't believe that there's much of a performance difference between the two. If anything, graphene might possibly seem faster only because it's running less services unless you install them. Mm -hmm. But having a newer Pixel phone is going to make all the difference in the world when you're running either one. Well, so with the Calyx, Mm -hmm. I've been able to install a couple apps that I needed to run that I was running off the web app on the right. graphene. Right. I was running Venmo off the web app and trying to run Cash App off the web app. But Cash App stopped working after a little while trying to run the web app. Gotcha. Uh, I could I could log into my Cash App, but I couldn't send money. Okay. Uh, and 
So now on the Calyx, I can because the Cash App requires the MicroG services, right? Right. So um, that's working. Everything else I was doing is working on there. I did notice one issue, which was uh, logging into my YouTube account on the Vance D app mm-hmm. um, and then clicking on a link within YouTube. Right. Taking me out to my default browser, which is a Chromium browser, right, was automatically logging me into the Chromium browser. Not cool. Not cool. Almost had a fit. <laughs> Almost threw my phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, but I did have this. It was weird. I had this feeling like, how dare you? Right. How Where, dare you infiltrate my protected area? Right. Whereas mm-hmm. on my work machine, I'm logged into Chrome all the time. Sure. But this is my walled garden. Right. You know. So for those that are not familiar, I've never mentioned Vance D, at least I don't think so before. On a D Google the phone, you can install, especially like graphene, Vance D is kind of a micro G service specifically for YouTube. It's a cool app because you can download Vance D V A N C E D as in David is an APK file and it then will install a micro G service, which will allow you to kind of like use YouTube app, but not using YouTube app. And you can log into the YouTube app. The neat thing is it scrubs all ads. So it's kind of like having a YouTube premium account. It also has a YouTube music app feature. You're definitely going to expose yourself potentially because if you're logging in with your Google account so you can access your playlists and your subscriptions and all that kind of When I say subscriptions, I mean to like channels you've subscribed to. Uh, it, it's You're going to have to log in with your Google account to do that. So if you click on a link on a YouTube video description, so if someone has a link to a product or something, it's going to grab your Google account, log in, and open up the browser with you logged into your Chromium browser. Or but only with Chromium. If, if, only if Chromium. I had Brave as my default, yeah, it right. wouldn't have done that. It doesn't do that. So it's kind of this like weird nuanced use case because a lot of people don't even use the Vance D stuff. We both consume a lot of content on YouTube. I don't listen to the YouTube music stuff, but it's kind of cool. It's kind of well, neat. If I, if I didn't have Spotify, I would. Right, and it's free and it's ad-free. Mm-hmm. You're kind of hacking the system. Yeah. So... And also, it has the ability to um, stream to a, a, a television that's running Chromecast or Roku or something, which is really, it's a nice feature. I do use that, but it's not something that comes standard on Graphene OS or Calyx OS. This is a third party. You can't even find it in the Aurora Well, no, it, it's not. It's its own standalone project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would go to the Vance D website, download their APK file, and then from there, you would install the, the yeah. apps for it. So I've had a couple of apps not install for me, and I haven't really figured out why yet. But was it today or yesterday? Yeah, today you were trying. We were trying to install Strike, which is an app we'll talk about in a few minutes. But uh, you were trying. So generally speaking, I actually have I would say ninety ninety percent success rate when installing an app from the Google Play Store. If it, so, there are some apps that they just don't come up in Aurora. Aurora is the open source. Well, I don't call it open source. It's the anonymized, anonymized um, access to download apps from Google Play without using a Google account. And for some reason, there's a lot of apps that it won't find. So what I found is is that if you go seek out 
like go to the website of the app. In this particular case, it was strike.me, which is a Bitcoin exchange I've been using uh, lately. And they have a link at the bottom, usually in a click for app, app store for Apple or click for Google Play. And if you click Google Play, it'll launch inside of Aurora and usually have I have good success with it downloading the app through Aurora, even yeah. if it can't find it in the Aurora store. Right. One more thing, and this has nothing to do with Calyx or Graphene uh, as separate products, but I finally hooked up my watch to my phone. So I've liked the idea of a smartwatch for a long time. Sure. But I didn't want my watch tracking everything and reporting on me. Yeah, you didn't want a cattle tag on you. Right. Right. Um, And so the watch that I have is the same one you have, the Garmin Tactical. Garmin Instinct Tactical. Instinct Tactical. Um, And it it does biometrics. Right. And it does steps and... Heart rate. uh, It tracks your sleep. It has a lot of cool functionality, functions that you'd find in like an Apple Watch or other types of wearables. It has no network or Wi-Fi connection. Right. It's only Bluetooth. Correct. And the Garmin app, you can set whatever privacy you want. Sure. The only real reason you would allow it for um, accessing GPS information is to give you like the weather Mm -hmm. on your watch. You can turn that off. Um, it's, it's, it's identification agnostic. It doesn't know who you are. There's no registration or anything like that. Now there is, it does require you to have a Garmin account. Yeah, but you can populate with that. You can populate it with whatever you want, and it doesn't. And I've actually read the entire privacy policy on the Garmin website because I use other Garmin products as well. I use um, when I go camping and stuff and hiking, backpacking. I have a Garmin InReach uh, so that I can communicate. The Earth app that you use in conjunction with that works really well. Um, But it's because I use the Garmin Watch and I use the Garmin uh, InReach. I think I have something else that's Garmin somewhere too. I can't remember what, maybe a, a GPS or, so, or something. Uh, regardless, I, I did read their privacy policy and it's quite, it, it's easy to read and they're pretty upfront about what they're doing with any data. And and they state that they're not selling it. Mm-hmm. I'm not promoting Garmin. I'm just saying if you do want some apps, I am actually looking at their standalone GPS units for the car so that I don't have to use Maps, Google Maps, isn't or that ways. funny? Like we're going backwards. We're going backwards. Pretty soon, hundred percent. It'll be like a Tom Tom Go, and then you'll get a Thomas Guide. Yeah, Tom Tom. <laughs> I remember I had a Tom Tom. Yeah, it'll be next. Will be a Thomas Brother Guide. I had a Tom 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 Go that had the Mister T voice on it. <laughs> That's cool. So, actually, turn left, fool. That's neat. <laughs> that is kind of cool, actually. Um, so, so we I are definitely want, going back in time, though. The the Garmin watch will uh, connect over Bluetooth to your phone right? and alert you, text messages. You don't have the same functionality you have with an Apple Watch. It doesn't have voice, uh, voice to speech or voice right. to text. Right. It doesn't have uh, some of the functions, but it it's pretty rudimentary. But um, I'm the type of person who always keeps my phone on vibrate. Right. I never Me turn too. the ringer on. And I miss a lot of text messages. And missing text messages from your wife is inconvenient. Yep. So being able to turn Especially on, when you're at the grocery store and she's asking you to pick one more thing yeah, up and you didn't yeah. see it until after you're on your way home. You're, you're driving home and you're like, can yep. you get sour cream? And you're like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So um, having the watch now, being able to alert me to text messages, 
uh, and knowing that it's within the ecosystem, it's not going out from right. there, has been huge. Right. Uh, it's been really... The biometrics is cool, but I really don't use it that much. Right. Um, I I use the watch to, you know, kind of keep track of my steps and... Sure. And, Your heart rate and just, you know, yeah. kind of general. It's, it's a badass watch. Like, it you is. and I actually used it, used the GPS we on did. it. You and I took a survival class mm-hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and it came in very useful f- because it does the GPS uh, location uh, information, launch and lat kind of mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And all of this is no subscription. No, this is yep. all. I mean, it's not a cheap watch. No, but you don't have to pay a subscription. Like I said, it doesn't have any radio. It's signal. not tattletailing on you. It's not tattletailing on you. And actually, the reason. The tactical, uh, it's because it's a certain color that we both liked. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing about the tactical is if you are in a compromised situation, you can go into stealth mode on the watch because it's, kind of, it's kind of marketed towards uh, military operators who might be behind you know enemy lines or over the line or whatever, whatever you call it. Cross, I have, crossing state cr- lines. Cross, yeah, sure, crossing state lines. You can put the watch in stealth mode, which actually disables any recording of location information to the watch even. It just basically turns it off and I think yeah. erases it. I, I don't use that. It has like a jump master feature for if you're a skydiver. It has a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, my life but, is not that but exciting. But the most important thing is is it's not phoning home. It, right. It has no cell service on right. it. It's not and yeah. So that's been a huge anything. benefit mm-hmm. because I... I legit have been jealous watching people with their apple watches and their other smart watches sure you know um and i it adds a level of convenience it adds a level of convenience now i'm i'm kind of a minimalist i'm i'm jealous because you have a watch that alerts you to text messages Mm -hmm. i don't need all the functionality i just need to know i have a text message when i'm driving i can look at it and be like okay that's not important right you know um that can wait and I don't miss important messages. And so that's been a great feature. I've really, really enjoyed doing that. Like I said, it had nothing to do with the OS. Sure, because sure. Graphene and Calyx would both do that. Sure. Um, and now, now we have a new frontier to explore on Calyx, which we don't know if it's on Graphene or not. But on Calyx... I don't think it's on Graphene. Is the profiles. The profiles. Because... I need to use social media for one of my businesses. And Calyx has the ability to use different profiles within the phone. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really curious about here is if I can run a profile that has these apps installed. But they don't cross over to your other profile. But they don't cross over to the other. Sure, it's like a contained contained environment for a profile for specific use case. Right. That doesn't spoil or or taint the 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 personal stuff on your other profile right like so you have a work profile personal profile maybe a social media profile we're still exploring this like Mm -hmm. we're still playing around with it i didn't even know that the profiles were there until i was actually listening to uh seth for privacy's podcast which is called um opt out uh, I think I forget who he was talking to, but came up. Mm-hmm. He looks like they were talking about maybe he was talking to Matt O'Dell about mobile privacy, mobile phones and stuff. And he, he mentioned the profiles and I, they didn't go deep into it. And I was thinking to myself, profiles, what are you talking about? 
So I just, you know, looked it up on DuckDuckGo real quick. I'm like, Profiles Calyx OS. I'm like, oh, it, what? And then I just started kind of playing around with it. You know, you go to System Advanced, and then you've got Users, and then you can... So we'll report on that. I'll actually have more of an in-depth kind of... Uh, I won't call it a review, just overview of how they work. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, on this podcast, I, I talk a lot about compartmentalization and using things like email uh, aliases, using separate email accounts, even different phone numbers, using my sudo as an app to have separate containers for different phone numbers, email, you know, trying to separate things out. So if you can actually even do that on the phone layer or on the phone interface, be able to hop back and forth. And it's, it's so easy to swipe back and forth. You literally pull your shade down where your like notifications are. And like your quick buttons, you slide over and tap which profile you want to use. Right. And, so there's two more things I want to talk, up, talk about before we dip into Bitcoin. Sure. One is the um, the four XL has the facial recognition. Right. And this is my first time with facial recognition. I'm slow to the game. Right. Because even, even when you came from your iPhone, you came from like a seven or an eight. Right. So I had the fingerprint. Had the fingerprint. And going, the, going to the three had the fingerprint. And I right. found it, like initially the idea of doing a fingerprint was very disturbing to me. But then with the iPhone, it was like, well, that's the home button. Right. So theoretically, it doesn't really matter if you set it up or not. Right. In theory, at least, they can still read your fingerprint and record it. True. And I'm just saying this, like if I was d- designing an iPhone and I said, well, we have a fingerprint reader, you can set it up to, but we're going to go ahead and just record your fingerprint anyway. Sure. Right. So, but you're on a phone. The difference is you're on a phone that's not connected to Google with an identity or right. Apple or right. something. So with going to the Pixel, I'm already used to the fingerprint. I've already kind of gotten over the thing of like using it. And then being sure. on, on a Linux-based OS with privacy stuff and engaged, I have very low concern that my fingerprint is being scanned. Scanned. It's especially scanned and sent somewhere. Right. You know, it's like... Now, I have to say, I've been fingerprinted by the FBI twice. So it's not like nobody knows who I am. Sure. The FBI, and they do digital fingerprints, and I've been fingerprinted by the sheriff's office sure. at least once. SFI. Uh, you and know, I, and any, I'm, I'm talking digital fingerprints. I'm not talking fingerprint cards. No, no, no. I have two. Yeah. I've done the digital fingerprint uh, for concealed carry permit. Right. So, sure. you know, it's, it's a level of concern, but it's not a huge level of concern. Mm-hmm. The, the level of concern with the facial recognition was, can you use this against me? So in the situation where you're being detained or for whatever reason, can they hold the phone up to your face and get into your data? Right. Because on my home screen, thanks to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, I have a lock screen that says, come back with a warrant. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And the idea here is like, you're not getting in my phone. Right. Like, this is a very secure device. And if I manage to shut it off before you even try to unlock it, like, you are never going to get what's on this phone. No. It, it, that's the that's the reason why you uh, use a Google Pixel and use Graphene OS or Calyx OS as opposed to something like Lineage OS because they're hardened in, and they're designed that you can lock the bootloader. Now, you may be able to do that with some other phones in some other specific cases with Lineage or a different ROM, but with Graphene OS and Calyx OS on a Google Pixel, the bootloader is locked after you flash it with whatever ROM. So if someone were to plug your phone in, 
Could they unlock it? Yes, but what happens is it wipes the phone before it unlocks the bootloader. And thanks to Bitwarden, everything I care about is accessible to me. Right. I can download Bitwarden anywhere. You can log in on the on, on a browser. You don't even have to download anything. Right. I can get my private keys right. to my important stuff. And so, yeah, take my phone. I don't care. Yeah. It's got my it. it's got my Bitcoin wallets on there. I don't care. Yep. It'll get nuked. Yeah, it'll get know? nuked. Yep. And I, I have access to my private keys and you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. So but it was concerning to have the face facial unlock. But I found out and I like I said, I'm slow to the game. Sure. I'm I'm last place. <laughs> last place. I wouldn't say that, but you're just there's a lot of people How long has facial unlock been available? Quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while. Several years. <laughs> and I, I, this is my first device with facial unlock. Sure. Like, like a month ago. Right, right. Uh, but I found out it doesn't work if you keep your eyes closed. Right. So yeah. as long as you can, if you're detained and they're trying to unlock it and they're holding it in front of your face, just keep those eyes shut. They won't They won't get in the device. Right. Which sounds kooky to even talk about, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole no, right now. No, But no. If, if you're paying attention, it doesn't seem that kooky right now. You know, we're living in a clown world kind of situation, so nothing seems too far-fetched. Uh, I also found out another circumstance where it will not work. When you first wake up. Really? Your face is so swollen. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're laying <laughs> on one tried, side or the other. I have tried like several mornings in a row. First thing I do, roll over, pick and, up and the phone, <laughs> and it's like, nah, I don't know who you are. It's like, this is fat head guy. He's all <laughs> jacked up. I'm not going to unlock nothing. So, um, so... Yeah, having the facial unlock has been super convenient, and right. I feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that I can just control it by not having my eyes open. Right, right. So I'm I'm interested to hear if anybody's listening to this and you're like, no, you're wrong, I would like to know how I'm wrong. And it's been a couple months since you switched over, and you've also been using Linux on your laptop. I know you use Windows for work. A lot of people use Windows or Mac OS, myself included, for, for work stuff. Um. Aside from like the, your, you know, a little couple finicky things here and there, how, how has your experience been? Because you also, one of the things uh, when you were last on the show I mentioned was that I was going to be setting up NextCloud, which would be a replacement for using like Google Drive or iCloud or any of that kind of stuff. How have those things been working out for you? And how have they been working out for you in conjunction with your mobile phone? So I haven't used NextCloud that much, but I'm not a big data-driven But you're person. also using it without knowing it, and that's kind right. of the point. Right. Like when you save a contact in your phone, right. you're not thinking about it, but it's backed up. So setting things up properly has made a big difference. Okay. Um, I went into my NextCloud the other day because I'm slowly trying to shut down my MacBook Okay. and, and get all important stuff off of there, so I'm just uploading it to NextCloud. Right. And I got in there the other day, and I noticed all the shit that I have been downloading to my phone has been automatically uploading to NextCloud. Right. Now, organization issues aside, that is really convenient. Um, I mean, a lot of it's memes. And it's like, <laughs> I think most, yeah. most people in our circles are probably 30% of your photos saved on your right. mobile phone or memes. But screenshots. Sure. I don't take a lot of pictures, but the pictures I do take are important to me uh, and videos. And I log into NextCloud and it's all there, just like iCloud. Right. You know, Um, and then um, it like I've been running a charity campaign and I've been using a lot of files back and forth uh, across different devices. And NextCloud has made that easier. It's not it has not been seamless. 
It hasn't been without a couple sure. of hiccups, but the functionality is there. Functionality is definitely there. Right. Um, like I said, because we set it up, so I haven't had to think about it. I haven't had to manually do all this stuff. It's just there. Which is also important when you talk about when you, you made the, the comment earlier about your phone getting taken or reset or whatever. It's all, I've got Bitwarden, but Bitwarden's only part of it. Bitwarden gets you back into all your accounts, your photos, those downloads. If you downloaded a, an attachment from an email, I mean, granted, you might be able to get to back to that Some, email. But sometimes I'm just saying, people take screenshots of their private keys. Right. And that could easily get uploaded to Nextcloud. Next cloud. Right. Right. So there's other, I won't call it miscellaneous, but there's other other information that's being saved that you're not thinking about. And I think that's really an important thing for pe- for people to know that that can exist outside of Apple and outside of Google is that you can set things up so that if you're setting it up from the beginning in a certain way, you don't have to think about it. Because right. if you have to think about backing up your phone, plugging in a USB cable and, and backing it up to a computer... Uh, you just you're not going to do it. You're going to forget, and it's inconvenient. And there is my whole most of the content that I'm that I'm creating, podcasts or articles or anything, is for the person that's not trying to evade a nation state or a three letter agency, but trying to own their data and have sovereignty over their data, but still have some convenience as well because there's some things that just let's face it i mean it's just like there's only so many hours in the day i'm a a 21st century girl dude (laughs) exactly right as am i and it's like i don't want to think about it right so that's why it's so hard to leave some of those ecosystems because it it can be daunting to think like oh it's gonna be a lot of overhead for, for instance i i have a regular print job that i i do probably once every month or two and access to the print file I need always goes through Gmail. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't want Gmail holding onto my files for me. Mm-hmm. I want Nextcloud holding onto my files. But I also don't want to think about it. Right. I want it available and ready for me when I need it. Back in the day, back in the 90s, you used to bring a copy with you. You might be using a a diskette or a jump drive or, or, or just the original a, a zip copy. drive <laughs> yeah, an original copy just the original copy right you know um either way you had to have that with you right now your phone is your everything storage device mm-hmm. so is that more convenient hell yeah that's more convenient mm-hmm. but do i want google holding on to that file for me if i could have somebody else hold that file for me if i could hold that file for myself yeah, I mean you can download it to your phone, but I like I'm not that tech oriented and I've changed devices like three times this year. Right. You know. And um so having it stored locally on a device is just that's just not practical. That's right. stupid. You lose your phone, you're right. you're, you're done. You yeah. know. Um and so having that available to me is important. And like I said, I'm not I'm not as immersed in this world as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. But I I have the same rudimentary needs as, as right. everybody else, you right. know? Um, so that's been super convenient. Uh, on top of that, there is a feeling I carry around with me 
And it, it, every time I look at my lock screen and it says, come back with a warrant, and I have some subtext on here, it says, locked for your protection. Mm-hmm. It affirms to me that this is my shit. This right. is my data. This right. is my files. This is my security. This is my privacy. Nobody else has access to this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, is it possible somebody could hack it? Well, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But I'm a much but, smaller but, target. But, but the other thing, too, is is you would have to be a subject, a target for somebody. Right. It's not just being scooped through mass surveillance and mass bulk data collection. Right. Which is why I got so annoyed when I am I go on my phone, on my Chromium browser. Right. And, you're and, and I'm like, I'm logged in? How did How this happen? How the fuck did I get locked right. in? Right, I did not authorize this. I did not authorize this. Right, you know? exactly. Um, whereas in my other machines, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I'm logged in. I'm always, always logged in. I know I'm logged in. Right, you know? right. Um, and so that's been, it's very empowering. It feels like I'm in a secret club. I love that you said that that way because on the previous episode, I talked about, privacy being fun Mm -hmm. and a game. I don't know if I said game, but my, my, the feeling I was trying to convey was when you start going down this path, it can feel overwhelming, especially if you're trying to leave an ecosystem like Google or Apple. But as you incorporate different apps and you taking back your data, whether you're using Nextcloud or you're using my pseudo app, any level where you're, I don't want to say poisoning the pond for corporate overlord. Why not? But it's kind of like poisoning the pond where they're it's poison, like you're using... pissing in your pond you're, all you're, the time. Right. You're signing up for a service and you're using a fake name. You're using a privacy.com you know, credit card with BS info for your billing. You know, It's like anytime you're doing that, you feel like you're taking back that sovereignty of just being, I'm not going to tell you who I am. Yeah, I'm not going to let you have access to my stuff. I'm not going to let you comb through all my things. When someone comes to your house and stays in your home, there's a level of respect and understanding of like, those are your possessions. These are my possessions. If you need something, ask for it. No problem. But you're not just going to go snooping in through my nightstand to find some Advil. It's kind of like an area that's no, like, is it secure? No, you can just open the drawer. Mm -hmm. But it's understood that like, in my bedroom, in my nightstand, or my closet, or something like those are kind of like more private areas of my where my possessions are. And you know, like remember when you were a little kid visiting like your friend's house, and they, you know, you're playing or whatever, and they go into their parents, and you like stopped at this imaginary wall, which was the bedroom door, the threshold to the bedroom. At least for me, I was like, "Whoa, this is a do not enter zone," mm-hmm. because this is this is my friend's parents' room. Now he can go in there because he's their child, right? Or you know, you know, or whatever the case may be. But it was like this, like understood, like it, it was like it was like intuitive. There was like something intuitive in in. No one taught me that. It wasn't. It wasn't taught to me by anyone specifically. I mean, it was always like, hey, respect people and, you know, treat. But, but there was something about it that was just like, hold on a second. I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in here. So, and, and, and I feel like we've lost all of that with all So this. I was just talking to a coworker about this today, about how frustrated I am that every time my computer locks itself, um, my VPN connection goes haywire. Right. And she was like, well, why don't you just lengthen the amount of time on your lock? I'm like... You can't do that. It's a corporate setting. Right. You you can't 
you can't go in and change that because the corporation knows, hey, if you're not in front of your computer for five minutes straight, this is a security risk, right. and we're going to lock this down. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, I'm just, yeah, it's something I understand or whatever. But you don't treat your own security like that. Right. You don't treat your own data like that. You don't right. treat, I mean, I just watched your your machine shut down. Right. It blinked off, and you immediately hit the thing, and it was locked. It's locked. It's not coming I had back I put on. my password in. Yep. Right? And it's it's this idea of, yes, there is a barrier. It's It's having a safe with a combination. It takes me a second to get into it, but it's important for me to keep that level of security. I have a safe at home. I don't leave the door open on the safe. Right. It's a pain in the ass. This is not even a digital and, combination. And your phone, of all things, is like the biggest vault to your personal life. Yeah. And we let, we collectively as a, as a society, especially westernized society, we just invite everybody in. Mm-hmm. Install these apps, sign up for all these things. Yeah, yeah, access my crap, track me, cross app track me, cross site track me. Do whatever you want. It, you know, but yet, if you come into my home, what are you doing in my nice stand? Yeah, why are you? Why are you in my room? Why are you in my room? Like, yeah. what, there's, you know, come on, there's a lot. So, why are these different? You know, why are why do we treat these things differently? Maybe it's because maybe it's because who we're giving permission to doesn't have a face and doesn't have a name. Well, like, when I, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it too is that we think that companies are always going to do their do what's right morally. Some for some reason. Maybe we trust them more than we trust ourselves. And that's ass backwards in my yeah. opinion. So like on my phone, when I, every app I have, because it's Calyx OS or Graphene OS, every app that wants to use my my camera. Your network, your camera, your microphone. That. You have to authorize everything. You can say just this one time. And or, I, I could hit always. Sure, but you don't. But I never do. Because you don't need that app to always have it. All that. The answer is always Ask. only this time. Right. And it's a pain in the ass. Even the Google camera. The Google camera is on there and I hit the button to look at my pictures and I want to hit play and it's like, do you authorize us to play this file? <laughs> yeah. And the answer is only this time. Right. And if I want to replay that same file because you didn't see the whole thing, still I'm going to hit only this time. That's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass worth putting up with. Right. Because the alternative is turning over permission for that to it, use it whenever. It's that it wants dragnet to. permission. It's a it's a permission of saying it's it's kind of like going back to the Patriot Act post nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to find the bad guys. So we need to scan everything for what was it, ten years? You know, mm-hmm. or whatever. There's there was a, you know, it's like we need to be able to just access everything and everyone's in shell shock. Yeah, we've just been invaded. We've just been attacked. Absolutely. I'm willing to give up my level of privacy to allow you to find the bad guys, right? That's how we're told. That's how we're told about everything. Apple this summer, right? The big scandal. I don't know if you want to call it a scandal with CSAM, uh, which is scanning the device locally for child uh, abuse photos, child photos, right? That are, that we, we don't have to get into it. We know what we're talking about. The thing of it is, it's like it's always it's always something where you're if you're gonna say like no, I don't do that. It's kind of what about the children? Mm-hmm. What about the terrorists? But the thing is, they treat all of us 
like we're guilty of something by scanning us, by looking and surveilling everything. It's a 24-7 production where they're scanning, they're looking at everything, and as long as you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have anything to worry about. And meanwhile, they're collecting massive amounts of data that they're making money off of. Of course they are. It's, and, it's and, not- and the other thing, too, is it's like, look, you know, a lot of people think, well, if the government wants to spy on me, they need a warrant. No, they don't. Because you know what? You're freely giving all this information to private companies. Which they buy it from. Which they buy it from. Mm-hmm. So... You know, get over that. Get over and Anyone listening to this podcast is already beyond that point. I'm just, it's just this conversation you have with normies mm-hmm. about privacy and data collection and scanning. And well, they're like, well, if you don't do anything wrong, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to slap I, you. I don't know if I heard this playing on your machine or if I heard it from another episode, but, you know, the idea is like, well, if you don't have anything to hide, it, why don't you just go ahead and give me all your passwords? It was it was the previous episode. I just did episode five. That was Glenn Greenwald back in 2014, I believe. And it, and it was a TED Talk called Privacy Matters, or Why Privacy Matters, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, think what you want about Green, Glenn Greenwald, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I think he's awesome. I think he's, I think he's great. A lot, he gets a lot of flack for kind of leaning right on stuff. Me, I'm very political, he's, he's politically independent. Left, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you really listen to he's him, he's only, a classic. He's, he's only right now because the left has gone so far totalitarian. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is just really highlighting the fact, that, you know, in this particular uh, TED Talk that he's demonstrating why privacy matters. You put passwords on things. You lock your doors at night. You put passwords on your email because you don't want people to access them. Well, if you don't have anything to hide, it's like, well, it's not about like whether or not I have anything to hide. It's the fact that I don't want my personal stuff exposed to everybody else for their own amusement. Here, here, here's, here's something you should always think about. The tweaker who would steal your bike and the banker who would steal your data and the government who would steal your identity, they're all people. What sets them apart is their level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. That's what sets them apart. Mm-hmm. It's not that they have some altruistic purpose. It's their level of sophistication. I lock, I close my garage door when I'm not in my garage door because some dude walking down the street will walk in and steal something out of my right. garage. Do I think that that guy that would steal something out of my garage is really that different than the advertiser, marketer, banker, or government official who has free access to that information. Mm -hmm. It's just a different level of sophistication. Mm -hmm. And the best, the highest level of sophistication for fucking somebody is to not even let them know they've been fucked. Mm -hmm. That's the highest level. Mm -hmm. The guy who steals the bike, I will find out he stole the bike after I walk in the garage and the bike is gone. Mm-hmm. The guy who steals my identity or the government who 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 is spying on me, I'll, I won't even know what's happening. If, if you really want an eye-opening aha moment, if you will, read the terms of service for TikTok. Oh, God. No, seriously. Yeah. Everyone listening to this podcast, go to the TikTok website. And read the terms of service. Read their privacy policy. It is astounding. Instagram, Facebook—they're just—they're not just as bad. They're bad. You know, you you upload a photo to Instagram. Guess what? You're not the owner of that photo any longer. They can actually profit from that photo for market for marketing purposes, sales, whatever for uh, lifestyle photo. Thank you. We're sipping on some Basil Hayden's, by the way. 
one of my, it's, it's a very pleasant drink. Um, I made it some old fashions earlier with some 10 year old whistle pig. That's why we're talking so loud. Yeah. That's why we're, yeah. Not slurring though. Not doing that quite there, but, but any, anyways, you know, when you talk about getting the bike stolen out of your house, the difference is that a lot of these people are signing up for these services willingly. I mean, they're not reading this stuff. It's like but, saying, I will always keep my garage door open no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Pretty much. Close pretty it. Much. Right. I'm, right. I'm not allowed to close my garage door. Right. Not only that, you're not allowed to close the the win, the, the bedroom window. Right. Yeah. You're not allowed to draw the shades. We want to see what's going on. We want to actually we want to hear what's going on. Yeah. We want to hear what TV programs you're watching. I mean, it just goes and just goes and goes and goes. So this kind of leads. This is a good segue into. I've talked in I've talked in previous episodes about privacy.com and obfuscating your identity and who you are uh, and your credit card information using. Services like privacy.com, no affiliation whatsoever. Just something I, I've used. I, I just, I, I love what that, you know, that to have that functionality. Um, by the way, there's another service. I actually uh, sent it to you earlier uh, to our group chat on Signal. Uh, there's a service where you can actually register for an eSIM, an electronic SIM for your mobile device. 100% non-KYC, no no verification of your identity, and pay for it using Monero, mm-hmm. which is, I want that. Mm-hmm. I actually went to go purchase one today. They're currently out of stock because they only have so many numbers, I, I guess, that they can sell. But going down that path, talking about privacy, talking about shielding your identity and things, um, I wanted to at least start the conversation within this episode about cryptocurrency. You and I have both been involved in cryptocurrency for several years now, um, and both in different capacities. You do a lot more trading. I used to do a ton of trading. You still do a lot. You're an active trader. I'm not as active as I used to be. I maybe open a trade once or twice a month because I'm, I'm more focused on on stacking sets, right? I was and have been uh, a, a miner, right? Mining cryptocurrency. That means I'm running computers. M I N E R. M I N E R. Not O R. Not O R. Not, not a minor. Not an Epstein otherwise, minor. I wouldn't be able to drink. Not an Epstein minor. By the way, following that, Ghislaine, Jelaine, Maxwell. Yeah, speaking Trump. of how important anonymity is. Right. No kidding. Right. You think Bill Clinton's probably sweating right now? What, I mean, what we're seeing right here with the Maxwell trial is when anonymity and blackmail go wrong. Go wrong. And when records are kept. Yeah. Records are kept. So. Um, I have been a minor ER for on and off since 2017. Uh, I've had as many as I think I had and for GPUs, I think I had 52 GPUs. Um, I'm, I'm not running a lot right now. I'm down to about a dozen, but we're about to embark on some ASIC miners and start doing a kind of a farm and we're exploring a lot of different things. The reason why I'm talking about that is because there's a lot of ways to accumulate cryptocurrency. The simplest way is to just purchase it with your fiat dollars. I have used Gemini. I've used Coinbase. I've used a myriad of exchanges over the years. Lately, I've been using Strike, Strike Strike.me. They only sell Bitcoin. It's like 50 50 cents for for the fee and zero transfer fees. I will have an affiliate link in the description. Use it. Don't use it. Doesn't matter. It's fine. If you do use it, I get five bucks. So it's kind of like helping donate to the to the to the podcast. But if you don't use it, you don't like using affiliate links. I don't have any problem with that. You can just go to strike.me 
I've been using it. It's fantastic. A few other people that I know have been using it. So I want I want to jump in real quick. Sure. You called me in 2017. Spring of 2017. Yeah. Spring of 2017. It was like March or April. I yeah. remember exactly where I was. Sitting in my car. I had pulled up to my house and I was talking to you and I wasn't getting out of the car yet. And you were going off on Bitcoin. Right. At the time, it was 1800 bucks. Correct. And I had been tracking Bitcoin, you know, not since it started, but pretty close, watching right. it creep up from a few cents to a few hundred dollars right. up to 1800 And you were telling me, I'm getting into Bitcoin. And I remember thinking to myself, it's either stupid or it's too late. <laughs> right. I remember thinking like... Right. You never, and you and I have never had this conversation before. Right. So this is kind of interesting. I, I remember thinking it's like $1,800. It used to be a few cents. Right. So it's too late. Or this is a complete scam. Right. Or both. You know, it, it's too late to get into the scam. And we got into crypto. You got in first, but I got in. And we watched it run all the way up to $20,000. The same year. The same year. And watched it fall back down to three thousand to three thousand dollars twenty eighteen yeah and every step along the way there were doubts there were doubts like is this the top do I sell everything now do I hold do I buy more you know just this roller coaster ride mm -hmm. and after it bottomed out at three thousand and crept and then blew past twenty and blew past thirty. That was the moment where I was like, okay, I have no doubts anymore about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. The question now is what is the strategy? Mm -hmm. and the strategy for me has been hold and trade. Mm -hmm. And trade. And you have a very low risk trading strategy. Right. Because you only trade in and out of ETH pretty much and, so, and Tether. Yeah, a couple other. No, not Tether anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I trade against bitcoin right so what that means is is i'm not buying bitcoins for dollars and trading for dollars because if i'm holding dollars and bitcoin runs i'm left sitting there wishing i hadn't traded right so i trade against established known well-known coins and i say i'll buy ethereum when it's against bitcoin at a low price and I'll sell it when it's at a high price against Bitcoin. Right. If Ethereum runs and I'm left holding Ethereum, I still have Ethereum. Right. And it's running, not the dollar. And when I, if I make a good trade and it runs, so I just recently sold some Ethereum and I made, I don't know, uh, $5,000 or right. something like that. And then it keeps running. That's okay because what I sold it for was Bitcoin. Right. You know, that's my own purpose. Which is ultimately what you're trying to do is amass just more, more sats, stack right. sats, right? More, so, more Bitcoin. So right now Ethereum's running and it's just like, ah, I could have made more Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sitting there thinking I'm losing dollars, especially now when the actual inflation rate, not what they publish right. on the, you know, Department of Commerce or whatever the actual inflation rate is between 12 and 15%. It's, it's crazy high. They've printed... Your, your dollars are fucking bleeding money right now. Right. If you're holding fiat, you're short Bitcoin. Right. And if so, you're buying 
possessions, expensive possessions with U.S. dollars, you're shorting Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, unless right you're now. buying cars, which seem to be going up. And well, <laughs> okay, or or firearms or something. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so I'm not trading against the dollar. I'm trading against other cryptocurrencies that are established. And 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 I didn't I didn't coin that by the way. That mm-hmm. short that 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 was actually Matt Odell from right. uh, Tales from the Crypt and from uh, uh, his. Uh, What's it called? Something Dispatch, a Citadel Dispatch yeah. podcast. Yeah, I don't want anybody to think I stole that, it, but it, he, I agree with him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Right. Um, and so, and I think, and we have some some mutual friends who are considering getting into Bitcoin, or are getting into Bitcoin, or have been light into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And the question is always like, is it a good time? You can't think of it as is it a good time. The question is, what else are you going to do with your money right now? Right, you know, um, it you can't. Inflation's look at, going. It, inflation is currently outpacing your four hundred one k. Right, by a lot, a lot. I mean, I don't care if you have the most kick ass four hundred one k right now. It's not keeping up with real inflation. Right, and so is it good to be diversified? Absolutely. Should you dump all your four hundred one k into crypto? Probably not. But the idea of getting into crypto as like, is this a good time? The question is, is like. Why have you waited this long? And and are you going to ask yourself the same question in another year from now? Right. Or another two or three years from now? And you're not, like, I think if you're looking to get into crypto right now, it's not to get rich. No. It's, I think that's one of the misnomers about cryptocurrency is it's a get rich quick mentality. I won't call it a scheme because it's not a scheme because there's so many different ways you can get into it. It's a, first of all, for me, First and foremost is it gives power back to the individual. That's what I feel the most from it. Right. I feel control and power. Right. Not in the sick, twisted way. If you (laughs) are on the other side of the planet and you are starting a business, I can invest in your business. I can send you a Bitcoin, whatever it's worth today. I don't know, $57,000, $58,000 or whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I can send value to you. To invest into something or purchase something for it from you or whatever without a middleman, without asking permission to send you. Otherwise, I have to go to a bank and wire the funds. They have to be privy to it. It doesn't involve one bank. It's usually multiple banks. And I have to pay a fee. And there's identity revealed and all these different things. And if it's more than $10,000, you got to fill out a form. You have to fill out a form. And pretty soon, if it's more than six hundred dollars, which $600, FYI, dude. I nearly spend that at the grocery store. Not quite, These but days. I have spent over four hundred dollars recently at going to the store uh, buying provisions. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, I just do not. This does not have the buying power it once had. Um, and six hundred dollars ain't nothing today. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Um, it's six hundred dollars is is a substantial amount of money. I just mean that it doesn't have the buying power it did two years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to. I wanted to introduce cryptocurrency and Bitcoin because it is a huge part of my life. It's a big part of your life in the sense that time you've devoted well, to it's, it. It's a big part of my life. And initially I was very skeptical about it. Um, and I mean, it kills me to think about how much Bitcoin I held. I don't think about in it in 2018. I do not think about it. Dude, I don't even want to talk, have those conversations. Yeah. Right. I did a lot of crazy things in 2017 and 2018 where 
I don't, I never will say how much Bitcoin I have had or had or whatever have or currently, but I, I, I felt like it was monopoly money and I was investing in ICOs and I was doing a lot of stuff and yeah, I was going into the ecosystem, but I should if I just held on to it all and everything I've mined. I wouldn't even need to do this podcast right now. I'd be somewhere else, honestly. You would <laughs> be doing this I'd podcast. I'd still do this podcast. No, no, no. It'd be full time. And it would be not a job. I don't make any money. I mean, I do appreciate the donations, um, but I've definitely invested a lot more into the to, to pulling it off than I have like made. The value some- to me, the value of getting into Bitcoin right now is learning about how it works and getting in while you still can at a level that makes any kind of like real sense. Right. As right. you said, stated the other day, and I don't know where you got this from, but if you don't have a whole Bitcoin by 2025, you will never have one. I think it was an article I read on Tele- Cointelegraph or some, some you know, investment. And it's, it's somebody's opinion or sure. whatever. But mm, Yeah, but they're probably pretty accurate. There's nothing that's happened so far that would refute that. Also, within the next five to ten years, those who hold 0.28 BTC or more will be in the upper 1% of cryptocurrency wealth holders. Put that on your on your on your back burner in your mind. Yeah. Not even a whole third of a bitcoin and you're in the top 1%. Yeah. Because so there will only ever be 21 let's, million. Let's dispel a couple of myths just for the naysayers. Okay. Bitcoin is not anonymous. No. But no, 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 no. Crypto no. can be. Crypto can be and bitcoin can be used to transact in a very pseudonymous way. Bitcoin, by its design, is actually not built for privacy. It's built for decentralization and transfer of value. And decentralization is key as the world goes towards a more centralized... Correct. Uh, System of government, system of finance, global currency, all these different things. 100% agree. And so though Bitcoin in itself is not anonymous, you can use Bitcoin in ways that do de-anonymize purchases like Monero. Not quite as good as Monero. Monero is another privacy-focused coin. but. You can run a lightning node. You can run Whirlpool. You can connect your, you know, Whirlpools. Well, let's, let's I won't get up. too crazy. But you can create anonymous entrances and exit as exits. Think of it as like Tor. Tor is the dark net, right? right. You use the, uh, the and, Onion browser. And you can create places where you can effectively launder the source of the money. I don't like using the word launder I because do. I don't think it's any different than cash. If you give right. me a $100 bill... But that's the way cash is treated nowadays. Cash is treated it, as money laundering. It, you're right. But if you give me a $100 bill and I give you 520s and you go to the store and spend it, you have the same amount of money and it's pretty much untraceable where those 20s came from. Mm-hmm. But yo, you and I exchanged value back and forth and I changed the denominations of your... You of and your, I don't think of it as laundering. Well, you're right. But the powers that be do. So think of Bitcoin as... Plus Whirlpool is the name of a washing machine. So Right. When I say Whirlpool and Dojo and Samurai, I'm referring to specific apps that are open source that can run on your own Raspberry Pi that you can basically mix UTXOs with other Bitcoin. Those are Bitcoin transactions with other Bitcoin transactions to basically 
wash, if we're talking laundering terms, wash your money. Yeah, why would you call it Whirlpool? If it why would you wash? call it Whirlpool? <laughs> because Bitcoin, each individual, every every Satoshi has a traceable link to it. So when it's mixed, when it's combined with something, it's not like smelting it and like gold, right? And smelting it and you're creating this new token so to speak it's it always has a trace on it so you can obfuscate your 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 purchases or where it came from but, but to boil it know, down to boil it down but it does take are, work there are ways to anonymize yourself there are not wait there are ways to anonymize yourself and i'm a huge fan of monero i mined monero for a couple of years non-stop I don't love Monero as much as I, I love Bitcoin. I think Monero is fantastic for a fungible purchase, a fungible transaction. Fungible meaning it doesn't matter which one it was, and it's private. It, you can't see the balance. There's other coins out there, too. We're not going to talk about them right now. This is kind of like a crash into cryptocurrency. So let, let's use another um, argument for not getting into crypto. This is a dead end because of the energy consumption. Bullshit. Okay. We haven't talked about this, but why is that bullshit? First of all, there is a lot of misinformation about how much energy is consumed to run a transaction versus mining a Bitcoin. And the reason why it is very important to have the proof of work it requires a lot of work to mint a Bitcoin. Bitcoin is an open ledger. And all the transactions that happen, that are processing, get put into a block. And that block is recorded across all Bitcoin nodes. And, and Bitcoin miners are basically solving an, a very difficult math problem. There's an algorithm that's running to solve a problem. And whoever solves the problem first wins the block reward. That block gets written to the ledger. Think of it as just an open spreadsheet, right? You could think of a, of a block as like a, a worksheet within, within the Excel doc and within the spreadsheet, or you could think of it as a cell. There's different ways. It's important, though, that that work is done because it gives validity and decentralization and stability to the network that something has to... There's a process that needs to happen to verify and validate versus saying staking, right? Proof of stake. Ethereum will move to a proof of stake eventually where those who just hold the coins in a wallet on a node can validate transactions because that that cryptocurrency is being tied up, so to speak. Think of it as like a CD, and they'll earn rewards for doing that. But the problem is it creates a centralization to the ecosystem, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It creates a certain level of people that have a lot of the currency that will stake and the, the, the transactions will be processed from those nodes and then eventually it will centralize to a handful of people. When I say handful, it might be a hundred, it might be a thousand, it might be 10,000, but ultimately they kind of control the network. So as far as going back to the energy crisis or energy question, question, I think that in the world <laughs> of data centers and servers that are running in these banks, for all and, and credit card companies and credit com, credit 
companies like Experian, TransUnion, TransUnion, Equifax, through the Credit Karmas, the massive amount of power that they utilize for their, what I'm going to call shitcoin, which is the U.S. dollar and credit, far surpasses the need for power to be powering something that is decentralized. So here's my argument against the whole power issue. The crypto market has proven to be incredibly innovative thus far. There's no reason to think that they won't continue to be innovative when it comes to solving the problem of how much power is available versus how much is needed. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, this is a problem that's being solved on a regular basis, sometimes efficiently, sometimes not efficiently, but it's being solved by how much? How much power is being uh, utilized to drill oil? How much power is being utilized to... Uh, you know, run all these data centers, Microsoft, Azure, Amazon Web Services for all these companies, all these data centers across the country. I, I'm not saying that I, I'm not energy conscious, that I don't want to find ways to consume less energy. It is a finite resource at the end of the day. Renewable energy is good for some things, but not great for a lot of things. Well, well right? the, the question for crypto is at what point does the energy use outweigh the benefit of what you're trying to do? So because, far, in my opinion, it is not. And I, I think it's a problem that's constantly being addressed. And well, solved. it's, it's an easy target. It's a low blow. Mm-hmm. It's an easy target. Oh, look at all these cryptocurrency miners, right? How much, how much energy? And interestingly enough, I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, at some point, I will bring them up. There's a lot of cryptocurrency. Because, look, power is, is not cheap, right? Where we are, we're in the United States. We're around around uh, about a 11 to 13 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, that's still fairly inexpensive for just regular modern day, everyday use kind of stuff. But... A lot of it is expensive to mine. So miners have become privy to locating to where they can use oil generators. They're using uh, uh, geothermal. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's geothermal. Uh, um, uh, where the steam comes up out of the fucking ground, right? That's geothermal. Uh, geothermal yeah. hydro is another popular one. They're, they're innovating in the sense where they're trying. It's, it's innovation. And the thing is, is the crypto market is in almost every single way not hampered by regulation. Correct. So innovation is at the I maximum. look at it as a cheap jab to put down Bitcoin, to put down cryptocurrency, and look at it as negative because it's like, no, we're better. You, The Fed coin or whatever coin, whatever you want, is going to be the, the, what's really going to solve these economic problems. And and if and if you don't think... Is it USDC? US digital no, coin? No, it won't be USDC. It'll be a Fed coin. It'll be a government-backed coin, and it will be no, a no, crypto. No, I mean, that's, it hasn't been invented yet, but oh, the USDC oh, I got you. is a US digital coin. Sure. Well, USDC is a coin. Mm-hmm. It's a stable coin. Okay. Uh, I think it's like available on a handful of... of, of it's like USD Tether, like but it's... People like picking up and buying domain names before the government can get to them? <laughs> Maybe. But USDC is a coin, like on Coinbase, you can sell on the USDC. Yeah. You can trade on their on their professional exchange in USDC. So so the point is is that energy consumption is not going to be a significant impediment to the growth of cryptocurrency. No. The impediment will be government. The impediment will be government. It will be regulation. It will be government. But the thing is, is is just like the Calyx OS, just like the Graphene OS, just like Linux, 
the open source solutions are extremely difficult to regulate and control. Right. They don't because, they don't like it. Because they operate outside of a financial system. That's the leverage that the government is always going to try to use against uh, any rival is financial. And in the open source market, the motivation, obviously people want to get paid for their time, but that's that's not how the internet grew. I'm not going to say that's not how it started because it started within the Defense Department, and but that's not how the internet grew. And that's not how cryptocurrency grew. It grew through a open source alternative solution. Most of the internet that we experience today only exists because of open source solutions. Linux operating system, Unix operating system, Apache web server, MySQL database, PHP, all these different technologies that have always been and will always be open source when you run signal on your phone when you're running you know and having access to the source code is very important because it means that nobody can hide anything and it means that it's inherently more secure than closed source because more people have the opportunity to find bugs find vulnerabilities and patch them very quickly as opposed to relying on a finite set of resources at a corporation a for profit corporation that can't find them all now I, I give kudos to the companies that do offer bug bounty, bug bounty programs and things like that that open the doors and invite hackers to try to find vulnerabilities within their tools and applications and get rewarded for it. But that's not open source. That's just, you know, that's just being smart business-minded. I'm not saying that there aren't any... I guess my, I guess my what I'm trying to say is that the more you embrace, it's kind of funny because fundamentally I'm a capitalist. But in this context, I guess you could call me a socialist. I right? don't think so. Because it's not really a socialist. socialist implies it, that there's coercion. Coercion and a tiered system. And Share, I don't believe in sharing that. Sharing is not socialism. That's something that needs to get dispelled. Sharing is not That's socialism. Coercion true. is socialism. Sharing is sharing. Well, as a founding member of Antifa, I would have to go fact check that with my team before I got back to you. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't realize you uh, had your black hoodie on. Yeah, let me put my my uh, bandana over my face. You know, and uh, without without going off in a rabbit trail, that's you, tongue in cheek. If you're Antifa, I'm not shitting on you. It's it's more of a oh, a, I am. I, I I expect you to. Yeah, but I try to be very. Uh, you know, accepting of all people for whatever reason. You're I'm going to give you a, but everyone also knows that I'm a no agenda podcast listener. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to talk about you in a way that you probably won't talk about yourself. You've been involved in open source since the mid mid nineties. Yes. We're talking, we're approaching 30 years. You've been involved. Right. So you're not speaking from a place of like, hey, I just found open source. Do you ever no. heard of Linux before? Linux is a free operating system you can run on your machine. Like, no, that's not where you're coming from. We we, I was exposed to it from our older brother mm-hmm. back in ninety six or ninety seven. We set up a a mail server for our family mm-hmm. running on Debian. 
But even was, even prior to that, bulletin board systems were in a way. Well, those weren't open source uh, software apps, but in no, a no, way, no. it the was ethic. The, yes, you're the, correct. The ethic of sharing. Right. You provided this bulletin board service for free. Correct. You know, it was a it was a free use system to it was share. A, it was a Galacticom BBS. Right. Yes. And. I, I, I guess I can say I've been involved in open source since then, too. Yeah, well, I'm the one that turned you on to it. Yeah, but I, I don't have the street cred because I don't understand it the way that you do. But the thing is, is like you have to understand that this community has never gone away. It's only gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. And even as Facebook has taken over, even while AOL was trying to take over, even as Google has taken over, the open source community has never gotten weaker. It's only gotten stronger. Correct. Yes. Supporting that is important. And so I I think a good place to wrap is to talk about the package you got today in the mail. Yes. If you follow me on Twitter, which I just recently opened up a Twitter account for the podcast, which is twitter.com slash closed NTWRK. I posted a photo and you can try to OSINT me. You want to? Is your name and address on the photo? <laughs> no, the package is. But I always, I always post the photos through Signal, and it strips the uh, the uh, metadata, which I recommend to other people. You know, and I'm not saying one day I'm not going to get found out and doxed, and people will know me. Whatever, great. I, I I talk about being you know pseudo anonymous and anonymous as much as possible, and that's kind of my my whole point. But I really was looking for another solution for a hotspot. And I knew Calix OS offered, Calix Institute offered a, uh, a hotspot service. It, it requires, you know, being a contributor to the, to the nonprofit organization that Calix Institute runs. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me do that. Which actually, it just by chance worked out really well that one of my current hotspot providers, I have two. Uh, one through Verizon, and I had one through another MVNO for T-Mobile. The, the MVNO T-Mobile service was was uh, closing. MVNO. MVN, MVNO is a reseller for a Mint Mobile, perfect example, is an MVNO for T-Mobile. So they're, you know, you, you, you get your SIM card from Mint Mobile. What, what was the name of the company that Rogan used to pimp out? Um, It was uh, an MVNO for cell phone service. I don't know, dude. I had it. For I don't a while remember. I can't remember what it's called. You had it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Was it was it influenced because of Rogan? I, I heard about it because of Rogan. But huh. all these MVNOs always offer cheaper services. Yeah, which is crazy. Why you don't wouldn't use it? Yeah. And they actually, uh, Calix Institute sells. I don't even know if it's an MVNO. They just it's T-Mobile, and it's great. They sent me a five G. So I, I I signed up for the sustainer contributor, which is like it's kind of pricey. It's no, seven, it's not. It's really not. It's seven hundred and fifty bucks a year. Two hundred and thirty six dollars of it was tax deductible because they're a nonprofit. It's unlimited data, and I was paying seventy nine dollars a month to Wireless Buy, which was the MVNO that I was paying for a different unlimited T Mobile hotspot. And it's not. It wasn't even as fast because it was 60, only LTE. Sixty three dollars a month for a, a unlimited data. Right. Hotspot. So I'm saving money. I'm contributing to a company that is contributing back to the community privacy. And $236 of it was tax deductible. They sent me an email with the form, printed out, put it in my folder for my accountant. Good to go. Did they send you a t-shirt? They sent me a t-shirt, stickers, and a button. Oh, a button? So I'm kind of feeling... How o- open source is a 
button, dude. A legit button. Like, that is going back. That is going back. It's How going far back. are we going back? Dole Kemp campaign. Way back. Way back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm feeling pretty stoked about it. I actually, it's sitting right over there in my windowsill, and I was pulling down over 400 megs on 5G5 bars. In a rural area. Yes. Yes. I live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Come find me. So, no, please don't come find me. <laughs> um, just hit me on Twitter. DM me. I'll be happy to talk to you. Um, by the way, I just want to give a... 400 megs. Four, over 400. It was like 426 megs down. The only trade-off is the mind control from the 5G. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I was mind control. Just now. <laughs> yeah. The 5Gs are everywhere. So my Pixel 5 is a 5G, and that's running on Mint Mobile um, uh, with Calyx OS. So super stoked about it. I'm really, like, I, I, that blows me away. Uh, but it also makes me feel good knowing that my dollars for a service that I need anyways are going towards a nonprofit, an inst- Calyx Institute, that's providing solutions for the privacy-minded individual. Like, that's great. And I've really encouraged people... On the last episode, I really encouraged people to donate to open source projects. Donate to Signal. Signal, if you donate to Signal, it's tax, deduct- it's tax deductible. Yeah. If, if, you if, you if, both benefit. Dude, if you own a business, you should be doing this. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It's like, look, you can give it to, the, to them or you can give it to the government. Yeah. You know, like, what the hell? Especially if it's something that you utilize and you rely on. Donate to NextCloud. Donate to Signal. Donate to Threema. Donate to whatever project that you like that you use. Subscribe to, ser- to services you like and use. Like subscribe to Bitwarden. Subscribe to Proton Mail. Pay for these services. Um, I can't preach that enough. But uh, yeah, I, really happy with it. Um, definitely also want to give a shout out to a lot of people who recently started listening from the No Agenda podcast. Some great interactions on Twitter. I've been re- uh, re- I've received a couple emails in the last week and a half. Uh, very encouraging. Uh, I do accept donations. This will be a value for value donation supported podcast. So if you like the content and you uh, want to contribute with your money, you can go to closednetworkpodcast.com or closednetwrk.com. Go to the donate link. I have a myriad of different ways you can donate. You can donate through crypto or you can buy me a coffee and it can just use your credit card like a normal, you know, you can use your privacy.com card if you want. Like try that. Um, Five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you feel like, whatever whatever you can do. It's certainly appreciated. Uh, I don't, don't limit it to coffee. No, <laughs> I don't. Buy him a pizza. I, I make my own coffee at home. I'm cheap. Buy him a pizza. I do like pizza. Uh, like, the idea here is like value for value is what the value you're getting. And if I was giving you money for the value that I've gotten through this pro- this transformation process, it'd be a lot more than a cup of coffee. Well, and you get a little bit more one on one than everyone. I else get one on one, but I do appreciate that. But um, it, you 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 introduce me to a world. Right where I'm, I'm like, I I feel good when I pick up my phone. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad. Right. I don't feel negative. I don't feel like I'm compromising when I pick up my phone. Um, I've learned a lot, and I I still have a long way to go. I don't have my pseudo account. Mm-hmm. I I plan to get one. Sure. Um, and I don't have a privacy.com account yet, but I plan to get one. Um, and but you're using Proton Mail. But I'm using Proton. You're Mail. using Bitwarden. 
I'm using Bitwarden. Yeah. And, and I'm using the You're Kali using Nextcloud. And Nextcloud. Nextcloud. Partly because I set it up for us, but you know. But still. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you're you're actually doing a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. And that's. And, and I feel good about it. I feel right. like a fucking spy. Right. You know, when I do it. And it it's like that is. That uh, that feeling alone is wor- is valuable to me, you know. Um, understanding anonymity online is is valuable mm-hmm. to me, um, and this has also kind of influenced your your decisions for introducing technology to your kids. Yeah, like you, what I'm what I what I mean by that is like you're very hyper aware of the negative impacts that a lot of like social media and having a phone 24 seven, the negative impacts it has on your kids varying in different age ranges and ad- that adult pre and post adolescence of, of kind of coming into yourself, finding, you know, who you are and how that can kind of corrupt if, if you will, or at least misguide a little bit, um, realistic expectations in life of the world and it really starts replacing real life experience with basically ideals and and kind of this fairyland of of a world that doesn't really exist it's curated it's algorithmically you know displaying content based upon all these different factors it's not real you know mm-hmm. and i've seen that with you and i think that a lot of people in a similar situation, I understand that as they go down this like privacy, when I say privacy, I'm kind of meaning all encompassing, like what does this crap really do for our lives? Right. So all that to say, if it's worth a cup of coffee, great. But to me, it's worth a lot more than that, you know? Um, and so the value for value is what are the value you're receiving? What is it worth to you? Sure. You know? Um, and in my own way, I run a business that's in part based on value for value. Right. And one of the things that I am going to incorporate, and I haven't yet just based on the fact that I have competing priorities and, you know, things are always going on, but Bitcoin is going to be part of going forward. In 2022, when I ask for money, Bitcoin is an acceptable form of money. Right. Monero is going to be an acceptable form of money. And even companies that I do business with if they accept bitcoin i am more likely to do business with them i would agree with you i bought a 400 hundred dollar trigger for one of my guns with bitcoin right partly because they accepted bitcoin <laughs> i was like i was on the fence and i was like have you ever been looking at something online and then it's like oh okay oh that's kind of cool what they accept crypto oh then the answer is huh. yes okay easy yeah. easy decision i mentioned i don't remember which episode those go dark bags that I've used, I'm right. not promoting them. I paid for them, but they accept Monero, mm-hmm. and those are Faraday bags. They're bags that you can throw like you know a device in that won't that blocks the signal. They actually came out with some new products. Again, not affiliated, no sponsors on the show. I was just I I got one of their Black Friday you know emails. I'm like, I normally don't click on this crap, you know, but I was like, ah, it's go dark bags. Let me it's see what they got. It's go dark, you dude. know, and they accept crypto, you know. So let's go take a look. They actually have like key fob faraday cages oh for your because you know your your key fob is always like transmitting a signal and hackers can try to like get it if you have like a remote unlock or whatever i'm like that's kind of innovative that's pretty cool and has some other neat products you know i mean they're kind of expensive but the you know it's the thing is is once you become a master of your finances right as far as who 
and how you distribute your money to and how you do it, it becomes important to you. Right. It's you very know? like intentional. Yeah. It's mindfulness for your fucking money. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Stop well, using Apple Pay. Stop using Apple Stop Pay. using Google Pay. Yeah. Stop that crap. Yeah. Because, it, again, it makes it like it disconnects you from the, the, the decision-making process. You know, it... And going forward, your your ability to decide is going to be the difference between your freedom and your enslavement. And I I hate to put it in such stark, no, that's stark a, no. Terms. I agree with you big time on that. Um, your ability to decide is going to be the difference. Well, your ability to decide and your ability to actually be able to voice your thoughts and your opinions, your your opinions without self censoring is going to depend upon what you are connected to. Yeah. Self-censorship is happening now. That that link in, in episode five I posted to Glenn Greenwald's talk about private, why privacy matters. It is psychologically and emotionally screwing with people. Dude, I have a Twitter account tied to a throwaway ProTown email address. And I, I shit post on this ProTown account or on this Twitter account with zero censorship. Right. Now, Twitter can kick me off, but what I don't have to worry about is getting doxxed. Right. Just pri- just the fact that I have a throwaway ProTown account. I can put right. whatever I want. Nobody's going to be up. Like that account is strictly tied to that Twitter account. Nobody's ever going to be able to figure out who I am. By I don't way. even know who you are. I, I, I'm your I'm your brother, and I don't even know anything about this. Yeah, and I think it's amazing. Um, and, and and once again, it just I it just I just want people. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want people to be overwhelmed. I want you to embrace this time and knowing that there are ways to still have the things that you enjoy, like and, and conveniences. But without participating in this like corporate circus and data grab, because ultimately you will self censor yourself when you open a browser. So I can do write, you double check that you're in DuckDuckGo using right. like Brave or using something like Firefox with all the right plugins installed. You know what I'm saying? Or are you like, oh, did you accidentally open Chrome and you're using so, Google Search? So like, I oh, can tweet at whoever I want, regarding whoever I want, death to tyrants. Death to tyrants. Yeah. Yeah. Because it needs to be said. You know? And and we won't get into the argument about anonymity and, sure. and saying your name, sure. but it needs to be said. I agree. And I also think that people need to feel like there's two parts of this and and we're we're going to wind this down here in just a minute but there's two parts to this there's one that is i don't want my friends to know how i actually feel or how i actually think and when i say friends i don't necessarily mean just your best friends cuz they already know i mean the person you talk to at your kids soccer game because you're connected on facebook so you censor yourself on what you say on facebook what you say on Twitter, or maybe conversations you have because your Alexa might be listening. Unplug your Alexa. Dude, uh, burn your Alexa. Burn your Alexa. Unplug this stuff. You don't need it because you know what? 
the convenience does not outweigh the censorship. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you will find yourself censoring, censoring your own thoughts and, and your voice. Stop. The other thing is people are afraid to be canceled. Well, if I say this, you know, then it might contact my work and I could lose my job. Well, that that's a big there, fear. There, that's a, that's a, Twitter, a realistic fear. There's a Twitter account called Libs on TikTok. Yeah, I've seen it. And they are under enormous pressure right now. But the person running that account has not been doxxed. It's simply the account that's under pressure. It's not the person themselves under pressure. And that counts for something. That has to count for something. Because the only thing that this person's concerned about is losing the tick, the Twitter the account. account. Yeah. It's not losing their job. Sure. And yeah, there's value in people putting something on the line, but dissent comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. And I'm watching this person go through this inca- this experience, and it's only the account. It's only the account that matters. It's not their livelihood. It's not their future. It's not their friends. It's not their family. And there's something interesting about that. There is something interesting, and there's something interesting, too, about when, when we're talking about things like your phone, your email. Um, the ephemeral, like, data, where you were, who you were with, and how long you were with them. Not even the content, the metadata. You go back 30, 40 years, and if you went to a friend's house for a barbecue and played lawn darts which was an awesome game and talked about whatever and did whatever and went home there was no record of it right there was no phone in your pocket recording your gps location and what other devices you are with and for how long there was no record there was no listening devices whether you believe siri or okay google or any of this crap are listening to or alexa they're listening right they're they're listening and Maybe for marketing. What my whole point is is that you didn't even think back then. If you're if you're a kid from the '90s or early 2000s, you kind of get it. Is that there was no record of where you were, what you were doing, and who you were with. And now, if you have a phone in your pocket, it is 100% recording it all of the time, forever. So, in the and, context of the slippery slope. The, the argument has always been the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if, what happens if, what happens if? Well, we're, we're right on the top of the part where you're starting to slide. I don't know. I think we're actually past the event horizon in that context. We're, we're, we're past the event horizon. We're over the edge. Sure. But we're at the top of the slope. I, yes. We've gone over the you. edge and we're headed down. So the idea of speaking at a barbecue and having your location or even possibly your voice recorded, we're over the edge, but we're at the top of the slide. And so two years ago, we were not over the edge yet. Prior to COVID, we were not over the edge yet. We were still on the top of the slide. You know, you could you could decide to go over or not, but we're over the I edge. Think it, I think it actually went over the edge even further back than that. It's possible. I mean, if you just going back to the Snowden, Snowden stuff, yeah, all that stuff. But like, I felt like we were over yeah. it. And we didn't know it. 
Right. We didn't like, know. Like, we're like, oh, what the hell? But regardless, you know? now we know. Oh, yeah. Now we know we're over the edge. Yeah. It is important that you... You can't buy a car today that doesn't tattletale on where you're going and reporting stuff. I bought a, a new vehicle recently. It's a nice vehicle. And I have other vehicles that are older. Much older. Much older. Some of them much older. And this vehicle has what's called Carnet. And it's, I'll tell you, it's specific to Volkswagen. And one of the things it records is your driving habit. Whether you're opt-in or out, and it reports this information to, like, insurance providers. Now, you know, I'm like, you don't even have to, it's not even like, and it has, like, a Wi-Fi hotspot. You can, of course, I don't need that, right? I'm just thinking to myself, this car is freaking ratting on me. Mm-hmm. It's telling them if I'm speeding. It's telling them if I'm braking too fast. And this has nothing to do with my insurance provider. I know insurance companies try to get you to install the ODB2 like the thing or install the app on it's your just phone. The app now. Yeah. It's just the app now on your phone. I, I'm not even talking about that. This is something completely different and actually has a score <laughs> on my driving. <laughs> and the score is fairly low. And I'm like thinking to myself, Wow, you know, I don't even drive that much, um, and it's one of a, a, a you know a couple vehicles that I decide to drive, and it's just my point is is that you can't anything new seems like it's going to rat on you. New appliances, so, IoT so, devices, you know, all these things. So participating in the open source privacy world, right, is creating. It makes me want to sell this vehicle, by the way. yeah you know what i mean like i'm like i don't want i don't i don't want this participating in the privacy security world is creating the market it creates the market when you participate right when you create the market you create innovation you create uh product you create progress in the privacy security world security world if you don't participate you are removing your participation from the market you remove the market forces that help drive the innovation interesting so every okay. time you download calix os every time you donate five bucks every time you use the f droid store every time you opt out you are participating in the privacy and security market correct yeah because you're gonna need you're gonna need to rely on a tool or or you know apps and and things like that, and if you're using privacy minded open source, you're taking away. You're taking first it's of all time, you, attention, and money. Time, attention, and money. Time, the three, attention, the three and money. T's. And where you're giving it creates the market. And if you're giving your time and attention and money to Google, and to Facebook, and to whatever else out there. You're perpetuating that system. I'm not. I'm. It's agnostic. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm right. saying what are you focused on? Right. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to make an assumption, but you are participating in that direction. And if you participate in the open source private security, privacy security, mind. I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> we finished this bottle. We've been. If you participate, yeah. you are participating in the market. Right. And. I am 100% no apologies, 100% capitalist, market-driven. Right. I know you pretty well, and that's accurate. Yeah. And, and so where are you going to spend your time and attention and your money? Right. 
you know. And I hate the term "vote with your dollars," like because I, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of like one of those things you say but you don't really do because mm-hmm. a lot of people use like it's actually funny we're we, we're just post Thanksgiving so my son was in town and him and his partner said I don't we don't actually say the a word we just say Jeff Bezos company. Right, because it's like they almost feel dirty. They almost feel guilty for purchasing stuff from there because right. it's just you know this guy's meanwhile trying to take you know rocket ship you know uh, trips to and in, in, in finding way you know he made a comment I don't remember it verbatim it was something to do with the fact that if you're left on Earth like you're you're a piece of crap you know it, it, it's just like wow yeah, this is a really we're, somebody we're gonna come back and visit <laughs> some rights or it's a very elitist thing this to mentality but the thing of it is is like if it irks you. Try to find ways. I, I know there's some things that are just like easier to get, but if if you need to buy something, go to a store, go to any hardware, go to a locally owned store, buy things from people as as opposed to conglomerates. So, you know, people who are at the bottom of and, society, and, 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 and in this context with open source, it means like give your time, your talent, or your treasure. As Adam Curry says from No Agenda, I'm not stealing that. As he says. Give it to the developers of the open source applications that you like to use or that you that you rely on, not like to use that you're relying on. Mm-hmm. I rely right now at this point in time, I rely on Linux, I rely on Nextcloud, I rely on Calyx OS, I rely on Graphene, I rely on Signal, I rely on a, a, a ton of, of services that I'm using and I'm diversified. I'm not, not all eggs in one, one basket. Give to those. Yes, a lot of them are free. They have a free model. A lot of them have a free well, model. Well, but the entry level is to start using them. Right. That's the entry level. Right. Use them. Because none of the other shit's free. Yeah. And Google is not free. You're giving them everything. Apple is not free. Not only do they have access to all your crap, you also have to pay for iCloud. You have to pay for ungodly prices for their hardware. And I know because I've bought a lot of them over the last 15 years. Funny enough, their storage is cheap. Eh, I mean, compared to what? Not necessarily. Well, it's, 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 it's amenable to NextCloud. I'm just saying... Amazon Web Service prices comparison, not necessarily. They're still charged. I don't know. I think on the two terabyte iCloud is $10, $12, $13. I don't remember exactly. I could look it up. I mean, is it cheap? Yes, for the for everything. But is it cheap in the sense that not only are you paying every month, and if you don't pay, what happens? And they have access to everything. Well, the idea here is like... I mean, I know what you mean. It's cheap enough. Spotify is cheap enough. Dropbox is cheap enough for you to be kind of a hassle to, to, to move it and cancel the service. Right. Is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, then that's one of the exercises I really encourage people to do is like build a spreadsheet, put everything in there that you're subscribed to. Start questioning everything. Do I need this? Do I need this app? Do I need this subscription model? You know, and some things are like, you know, TV replacements like Hulu, Netflix. I'm not necessarily talking about that, though that may be a good reason to analyze and look at those things. Shop, uh, not shop, Spotify. I kind of like really enjoy Spotify. I will pay for that for probably till I die. Um, Well, until something better comes (laughs) along. Until something better comes along. But the thing of it is, better how? Open source, well, it's music. It's all licensed. 
probably won't happen in that in that kind of realm. But I'll give you a great example: Podcast 2.0. Yeah, I don't listen to podcasts through Spotify, even though they're there. If there's a podcast, and this podcast that you're listening to is a podcast 2.0 podcast, which means if podcast you have a, 2.0 .com or .net. Uh, I think it's, well, It's um, if you go to podcastingindex.org, I think it's podcastapps.com. But is, Podcasting 2.0 has its own website. Podcasting 2.0 has its own website. Podcast 2.0 allows people to transfer value in the app to a podcast using Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. You, you, you just, just go, go it. Like, go look up Podcast 2.0 apps. I think it's podcast apps.com is the actual url i'll put it in the show notes so that's a great example new podcast apps.com new podcast apps.com thank you yeah new podcast apps.com and i don't like calling podcasts pods i know that's kind of like the cool kid thing i just call them podcasts. that's the npr cool kid thing it's not the open source cool kid thing. <laughs> anyways you can call them pods podcasts whatever same thing so what that means is if you have a podcast 2.0 app you can actually it, it, usually a lot of them have a value option, which means it has a Lightning wallet. Lightning is a protocol that runs on top of Bitcoin that allows you to contribute SATs, donations, to to the podcast creators through the app. You can load up 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month in Bitcoin in your Breeze wallet. I'm just using Breeze as an example because that's what I've been using on my Calyx OS phone. And... You can like say set like a hundred sats, five hundred sats, a thousand, whatever you want to like boost towards your creators. It's kind of a similar concept to like what Brave has been trying to do with the Bat token B A T, where you can use a cryptocurrency to donate to contributors, whether it's a website, a YouTube channel, whatever. Uh, you can say I'll throw twenty bucks a month in my wallet and let it auto distribute or tip people. Right? It's giving value for people's work. Right. Um. So <laughs> and right now, when there's so much bullshit that we are tempted to spend our money on, the idea of pro protecting the future of free information. To me, is the most important. It thing. is the most important thing to me as well, and it will prevail. I am convinced. Decentralization, uh, anti censorship. You know, people talk about Twitter. Oh, uh, you get banned on Twitter, and par you know, Parler got shut down. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know what? You can run your own Mastodon server and federate, not federate. No one can shut it down. You run it. You could run it on a. I don't know if you could run it on a Raspberry Pi, but you could run it on out of your house. There are things that people are doing, and that's what cryptocurrency is doing. I run two lightning nodes, Bitcoin node. I got Samurai Dojo. So, I mean, you know, all these things can run on low power Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. You can buy these things on online from Raspberry Pi for fifty to eighty dollars. I mean, you you people, individual people, can do this stuff. You can contribute to the infrastructure. You can. You can host your own matrix server and have your and use apps like Elements and things like that to have your own chat. You can even run your own signal relay chat. You can do all these things, you know. And it's like, and they're getting easier. They're getting better. They're be, they're virtualized. You can run them in Docker. Right. You can Going back in, to my point about right. the open source community, you can't stop it. You can't. You're you're not going to stop this train. Right. It you're keeps not. getting better 
and better. You can run your own VPN server, all open source. You can run OpenVPN. You you can do all I, these things. I used I used Linux ten years ago, and it was frustrating. It was not impossible, but it was frustrating. Right. And now I'm using Linux now as my primary operating system on my home computer. And do you even think about it as Linux no. anymore? It's awesome. Yeah. It has gotten so much better. I run Linux on my desktop right here. I got mm-hmm. dual monitors. I got a beefy system set up with a 1080 Ti. It's mining sometimes, like when I'm not using it. I don't even think about the OS. Most people, most people live in a browser anyways. Yeah, you might have some, you know, if you're if you're a nerd like me and run a couple like an IRC client and some other things and you run a signal client. But I'm just saying, like, you don't even I don't even think about it. Yeah. So how do we wrap this up? We've covered a lot. We have we haven't gotten into detail. So I will be going into some detail for those. What I'd love to here's what I'd love. If you're on Twitter, hit me up. Closed NTWRK, closed network. Hit me up on Twitter. Send me messages. I'm actually going to set up a. Um, I might do a um, a session or signal accounts where people can message me. Send me an email. Close ntwrk at tutunota, uh, or actually tutu.io. All the links are on my website. Send me a, send me a contact form. Tell me what you want to hear. I'm going to keep putting out based on like a path to through this journey. I wanted this conversation to be very relaxed and just kind of let it let it flow naturally because I'm an advocate, so I'm constantly trying to convert people. You, and, and, you being uh, one of them, I'm kind of the novice user, right? I mean, you're not you're technical, but you're not a tech guy. Air quotes, mm-hmm. tech guy. I've always been kind of like the tech nerd in the family, and you are very technical. You understand it. It's just not what you, it, it doesn't drive you. It doesn't motivate you. It's not your passion necessarily, but you you pick it up really fast. So I want people to be able to. I want to be. I, I'm trying to make myself accessible as possible. Uh, so feel free to email me through the contact form on closednetwork.com, uh, which is ntwrk closed ntwrk.com. Send me an email. Uh, send me a tweet. Send me a DM. I'm I, I I love interacting with everybody. I I want to know what to focus on because there's so many different areas, there's so many different paths to go down. And I really at the end of at the end of all of this, I really want people to feel empowered to take back even a small portion bit by bit. This isn't a this isn't a process that happens quickly. I've mentioned it countless times. It's something that takes quite a bit of time like this podcast going on an hour and 42 minutes. But, you know, I feel like it's important. Well, in my own personal history of podcasts, we always run over two hours. So so I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty comfortable. I usually aim for like the hourish mark, yeah. hour, hour and 10. That's fine. This is good. This is good back and forth. And we've, we've covered a lot. We've talked about open source. We've talked about cryptocurrency and just a general overall ethos for also giving back to what's providing value back to you, whether it's me, this podcast, or or other apps or other podcasts you listen to, it's really important. I th- I think that's the most important thing that I want to drive home is that it's it's you know why I talked about the Calyx OS Institute sustainer thing that I signed up for. Yeah, I could get a hotspot anywhere, but but I, it's important to like put your dollars towards things that are valuable to you as opposed to just doing it because it's something you think you need. You may need it, but try to do it with purpose if there's a place for it. 
And yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like really what I want to be the want to be the takeaway is value, value that value yourself, value that you are worth the effort. Some of these things I will admit, they're not necessarily like simple as in like using an Android phone or a Apple phone or just using Gmail, but dude, they, if but, you're, but, if but you're with, all about simple, dude, you're probably not even listening. I would, I, I would say that's a pretty good assessment. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, but, and I know I've got a lot of work on myself. I've got a lot of work to do in articles and YouTube videos and actually showing people how to do this. Now, granted, everything I've talked about, there are tons of content out there. I think that there's some things that are worth doing content on myself that would kind of maybe be newly updated and kind of like, you know, my own way of doing things, whether it's flashing one of these custom ROMs on a phone, setting up Nextcloud. I will say that something like setting up Nextcloud on a VPS or something might be a little more technical, but there are also some simple routes you can go. Um, and so maybe I'll start there, like setting up a get um, like an Umbral server on a Raspberry Pi, running Bitwarden, running uh, Nextcloud, trying it out. I think it's important to test things out, try it out first before you go two feet in and try to you know convert over. So parting thoughts, parting thoughts, parting thoughts. Where should people start if they're interested? in taking back what's theirs well uh like summarize it in a sentence or two i think that the the most important thing is to start with your email and your communication so it doesn't matter what phone you're on i don't care if you're on android if you're on iphone it doesn't matter sign up for tutanota sign up for proton mail and download Signal, and start using those. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Signal has been life-changing, especially on an Android device where, where you, you can set it as your primary SMS, SMS app. Yeah, SMS. Um, and, and email as well. And I will say this, it's going to take time to transition right. from one email to another. Don't get, don't get discouraged by that. And don't delete your email address. And don't, de- don't delete your email address. But I think... For me personally, my my own personal journey has been just stay open to this stuff. Right. Stay open. That first first conversation we had about crypto, it was like I was skeptical but open. Right. First conversation I had about email, skeptical but open. And well, and and what was your initial thought process about switching to a whole different phone OS especially coming away from Apple right where it's like they tuck you in at night <laughs> right you know they tell you oh it's bedtime you know skeptical time. but open and, and and you know if you're listening to this podcast you're at least interested and that's half the battle right there so i would say stay open to the possibilities understand that there's more effort involved but it pays off it pays off. I like I said, I used to feel like shit when I picked up my phone. Now I feel good when I pick up my phone. I feel like I'm in control. Every time I pick up my phone, the first thing I see is come back with a warrant. Right. And it makes me feel good. 
Right. It makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel like I own myself. Right. I'm not trying to own other people. I'm just trying to own myself. Um, and I will, I will end with this. May you, this is ironically a Mandarin, uh, greeting or phrase. Okay. May you live in interesting times. May you live in interesting times. I feel like we're living in interesting times oh, now. Oh my God. It's way more interesting than the nineties. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I wish I could just kind of like snap my fingers and go back to that. But also knowing what I know now, so I'd start mining Bitcoin. Yes. Um, I will talk much more about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all that stuff. That's gonna be a that's gonna be part of a normal uh thing of the podcast because it's a huge part of privacy. It's a huge part of my life. And if I didn't talk about it, it'd feel weird. But I also didn't want to start the podcast, you know, out with crypto because though it's not necessarily a Bitcoin or crypto focused podcast, it is a big part of it. But privacy is at the core of everything for me because um, it's kind of like, why do you do the things that you do? You know, right? So. Having said all of that, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, I am truly humbled. I am really appreciative of all the reviews I've received. The the tweets, the DMs, the emails. There's some of you that have emailed me with specific questions that I am working on. One of them in particular was about de-Googled phones in Australia. I'm still trying to get some information about that. Like, do they work the same way they work in the U.S.? I understand that a lot of people listen to this podcast are all over the world. Um, there are some things that I, I kind of get, you know, focused on because they're in the U S but you might be in Canada. You might be in the UK. You might be in, you know, anywhere uh, under any, the crown, anywhere under the crown. Exactly. And so I, I really also, I, I am working on a roadmap for creating a place where a community can come together. It may be a Mastodon server. It may be something like that. Um, I don't want to do discord or anything like it's got to be open source. It's got to be something that's can't be shut down. Uh, so a forum, a, 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 a group chat of some kind, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on that stuff. We're still early on in this. If you have ideas, if you want to help me out, I'm all ears. I'm open again. I also have received donations uh, through the podcast 2.0 apps, some people uh, donating some Satoshis, like Bitcoin. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. I don't know who you are. Uh, I haven't had any donations that's beautiful. With, with their name attached to it, but I guess it's like that's kind of like awesome, right? Yeah. So I really, really, no, I just want to highlight thank you. I, I recognize that I see that. And uh, yeah, until next time, thanks for listening to episode six. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you coming on, dude. I'm gonna clap back. I bet when I land, they gon' tell me it's lucky. Can't see that I'm winning. It's harder to watch. I'm setting the stage. You should give me my prize. You ain't got a soul. You lacking the spirit. You talk out your neck. I'm gonna show you I'm with it. I've been really happy for you to sit and watch me win again and win again and win again. I know it's probably getting on me.